Welcome to Your Life Matters Today, hosted by Dr. Cliff Robertson. Listen in close for tips and the tools you need to discover how to build your best life, overcome mental health challenges, and understand your self-worth. Now, here is Dr. Cliff Robertson. Well, welcome to Your Life Matters Today. I'm Dr. Cliff, and I just appreciate you guys coming back and, and listening to us. You know, we have so much to talk about today, but before we get started, I want you to hear one thing from me. And, and I try to always start the show this way is I want you to know that your life matters. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. It doesn't matter what you're going through or the, the, the challenges, the grief, the, the tragedy, the mental health, the life you're going through. I, I want you to know that your life matters and, and that your life makes a bigger difference in this world than you could ever begin to imagine. I just want you to hear that. Because it's important that you know that, you know, because oftentimes we find ourselves to be helpless and hopeless in this world. And with with sometimes we just need to be, you know, just just kind of begin again with that. And I, and I want you to know that, you know, God tells us that 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 you are his masterpiece uh, created anew in Christ Jesus for the good work that he's ordered for you from the beginning of time that you may walk in it. So I just want you to hear that. Your life matters. You're a masterpiece. And regardless of what you're facing today, you are making a difference. Today, I have a, an, an awesome guest. Uh, he has, uh, he has, been, has been helping people in, in more ways than, than, than most of us can even begin to get our head wrapped around. I have uh, with me today Reverend Andy Bales of the Union Rescue Mission of Los Angeles, California. Welcome. Welcome, Mr. Bales. How are you doing this morning? Good. Thank you, Dr. Cliff. Well, it's it's an honor to have you here. Um, you know, um, can I would like to learn a little bit more about the uh, Union Rescue Mission, and and I know there's some real history behind it. Um, for, you know, for those of you listening, the Union Rescue Mission is a is is not just a homeless shelter. It is well, there's a lot of history about it. So, uh, Reverend Bales, I'd love to I'd, lo- I'd love to kind of hear the story of of this organization? Well, Union Rescue Mission is the oldest rescue mission in Los Angeles. In fact, the mayor once said, this is the mission that was never created in Los Angeles, uh, Union Rescue Mission, 131 years ago. Lyman Stewart uh, was an oil wildcatter. He came out from Pennsylvania to try to find oil in these hills. And uh, he struck oil. Uh, created Union Oil Company in 1890. Uh, But about that time, he started contemplating all the men who were on the streets, who came out usually from uh, the Midwest with a dollar train ride, thinking they'd make it big working. But when they came here, they found unemployment, started hitting the many bars that were in the area. And they were struggling with not only alcoholism on the streets, but homelessness. And he had a heart for them. It was something about him and his heart. Uh, He was concerned for people struggling on the streets. So he invited his friend who fought alongside him in the Civil War, the war between the states. And uh, he asked uh, Major George Hilton to come out to to California He drafted him away from the Central Union Mission in Washington, D.C., still partners of ours in Washington, D.C., 
And they had a meeting at the YMCA, if you can imagine, in Los Angeles. <laughs> and they launched the Gospel Wagon 130 okay. years ago. They took this wagon out on the streets and they would preach the gospel out in front of the bars. And guys would come out of the bars and they would listen to the stories and they would get on the wagon, so to speak. So they would get sober. And then, you know, if they were ever on the wagon telling their testimony, and if they slipped and fell and, and had a setback, they would fall off the wagon. So that proverbial uh, getting on the wagon and falling off the wagon, we actually had that wagon rolling around the streets of uh, Los Angeles and Skid Row. I can, I can point out the corners where it used to be quite popular. And from then on, they started using tents to help people escape the weather. And then they bought their first building about 1907. And they moved into a building uh, where City Hall now sits. And they were in that building until the 20s when they decided to build City Hall. And the building uh, uh, went under eminent domain and taken over by the city. And a beautiful City Hall still sits there. But we moved to Second and Main. And we were in second Maine for 68 years. And about, I guess, 28 years ago, uh, we moved here to Fifth and San Pedro and uh, became really the largest physical structure. It's 225,000 square feet. Every floor has a different population. So the first floor is welcoming, cafeteria, chapel, men's guest area, women's guest area. Second floor is... Uh, uh, guests, emergency shelter, step up emergency shelter, and our offices, both men and women, shelter guests, and a medical clinic. Uh, third floor is our men in recovery, uh, along with the Pepperdine mental health counseling clinic. Fourth floor is a learning center and our family floor and our legal, uh, legal clinic from Pepperdine. Uh, fifth floor has our men in uh, transition. Uh, it has our men in the ambassador's permanent supportive housing, uh, but the sober version. And it also mm -hmm. has single women's and family floor. Uh, so I, I dreamed about this in Des Moines, Iowa. When I was in Des Moines, Iowa, I tried to buy a five-story building with a different population on every floor. And my mission then said, uh, we want to stick with men. So I launched something for families uh, uh, in Des Moines, Iowa that grew uh, and was very successful for uh, about 16 years. Uh, but, uh, but I came out to L.A. to replicate what I had done in Des Moines. And just as I arrived at Union Rescue Mission, they were looking for a family place. Uh, and they were looking all over the county. And as, as you know, there's, it's hard to find a place where uh, a place for homeless families even will be welcome. It is. It's, it's yeah. incredibly difficult. But we found a, an abandoned nursing home. It had uh, it had uh, independent living. It had skilled nursing living. It had uh, 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 kind of a step up all the way to skilled nursing, 77 acres. Um, wow. And it, it had run out of older people and had been put up for sale, honestly. Nobody ever believed me, but we got the facts about it on Christmas Eve of December uh, 2004, and uh, we were excited, and we bought the place, 
And then we faced uh, a pushback from the neighbors and we fought a 21 month, uh, $1.9 million legal battle. Uh, and I described it as 34 neighborhood beatings. Uh, they were meetings, but they turned into uh, nearly beatings. And we finally won a six hour planning and zoning hearing. And we launched a place for transitional housing for families called Hope Gardens Family Center. Now the neighbors love us. They appreciate the good neighbors that we are. Uh, we, we have been so successful at Hope Gardens that six weeks ago, we launched the Angeles House, another satellite in South LA for 86 families. It filled up in five weeks. Oh, so wow. I, we have this dream of being Union Rescue Mission, north, south, east, and west, and downtown. We want to regionalize services throughout L.A. County and decentralize Skid Row. Uh, Los Angeles has made a huge error. They've created the worst man-made disaster in the U.S., and we sit in the middle of it. It's called Skid Row, 53 square blocks the most dangerous neighborhood in the United States, according to Forbes magazine. Wow. And, and the second and third most dangerous neighborhoods are adjacent. So <laughs> we have created this horrible disaster. More than 5,000 people on the streets. Uh, back, when, back in 2014, when we had 2,800 on the streets sharing nine toilets, I actually lost my right leg from three flesh-eating diseases from oh, human wow. out on the sidewalk, uh, E. coli, staph, and strep. That's how bad it is. And imagine now it's doubled in that number of people on the streets. And gangs rule, cartels rule. They pour out cheap drugs on the streets, meth and fentanyl. And right. uh, murders in L.A. went up. Murders of homeless people in L.A. went up 47% last year, and one-third of those murders came from the cartels and the gangs uh, killing people. So this is not an innocuous, uh, painless drug trade that people want to describe. Uh, we, we, I feel like we are in the middle of a battle constantly for the lives of the people on the streets and no one has done a worse job than Los Angeles. No other metropolitan city comes anywhere close to leaving people on the streets. We leave 72% of the people who are homeless on the streets. In other words, if there's 86,000 people devastated by homelessness in LA, we leave somewhere close to 70,000 people on the streets. No one comes close. New York has 100,000 people devastated by homelessness, but they leave four to 6,000 on the streets, four to 6%. We wow. leave over 72% on the streets. And it's not just because we have great weather, because the weather in LA can kill you. Set, uh, 40 degrees in rain can cause you to die of hypothermia, but, but unfortunately, more than the weather can kill you in, in Los Angeles. So we're known as the mission that uh, welcomes everybody. The only mission that welcomes single men, single women, moms with kids, dads with kids, two parent families with kids. Um, we also never turn away a family who comes to our door. Uh, I've even put up my name and cell number on billboards around town 
and people call me and we send out an Uber to pick them up and bring them in. Um, we do all that we can to address this crisis of homelessness in, in Los Angeles. Uh, and we do it all with private money because if you take any government money in Los Angeles, and this might be unique to Los Angeles, but, but maybe not, uh, you cannot, not only you can't share your faith, which is what we're all about, right? you have to allow alcohol and drugs to flow freely in your mission or your apartment if you take HUD funding, government funding. And so we choose to focus on recovery and do not take any government funds uh, because we want to focus on sobriety and recovery. And people say people don't want to come into missions, but we, we don't find that at all. We are at capacity or over capacity at every one of our sites. People want to come in where they feel loved and the compassion of Christ. And that's, that's our mission statement. We embrace people with a compassion of Christ. Oh, and I know from uh, you know my own experience working with homeless populations that that is a you know first of all that is the absolute truth. People want to be embraced. They want to know that they matter, that they're loved. But you know that's a that's a uh, that's that's a big hill to climb. Making sure that you've just got you know you keep it with private funding. And we're going to talk about a big fundraiser you got you got coming up this weekend. But but I but I just kind of want to step back and get to know. Uh, Andy Bales a little bit more. Can you can you tell me what kind of motivated you to begin to even be involved in 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 homeless ministry? Well, I should I should have come by this naturally because my own father experienced homelessness as a child from off and on from the ages of four to seventeen, and his family would just pack up and jump on a freight car. Uh, my dad remembers hanging on to his dad's neck and his dad saying, Carl, you're choking me. And my dad saying, I don't know what else to hold on to, dad, as they jumped a freight car and came from Des Moines, Iowa, out to California. And then when things didn't work out here, they would move back and they stayed in a tent in Azusa Canyon, a garage in Compton, a shed in Baldwin Park. Uh, but I, I would have to admit that my my dad's family exhibited the traits of the most challenged families that we work with today. Uh, my, my grandpa fought in World War I, had post-traumatic stress, um, virtually only drank beer and whistled most of the time. My grandma left him uh, when she did return after marrying another man once in a while, she would return. My dad would know she was home because there would be blood all over the house from a violent fight. Um, my dad, the week that my dad was dying, and my dad turned out to be a fabulous man. He, he, he came home one time and everybody was gone from the house and he came home from camp. And so he stayed with friends and, and his friends had kind of a, regular life. And he said, this is what my life's going to be like when I grow up. But, uh, but his last week on the face of the earth, all he could talk about was being that homeless kid who suffered embarrassment and shame and pain from being homeless. That's, that's all he could talk about. 
And uh, so I know it affected him greatly, but he became a great guy, made it possible for me to go to college and things. I should have come by it naturally, but I didn't. I had big dreams and visions for the future. I became a pastor. Um, I was serving as a pastor and always working. So I thought I'd change and become a Christian school teacher. Well, after being a Christian school teacher, I found out why teachers get the summers off or, or why students get the summers off. That's for teachers to recuperate. And I didn't recuperate <laughs> November, but I was teaching in a Christian school in Des Moines, Iowa. And the kids were making fun of a youngster who they didn't think measured up, didn't, didn't think she dressed as well, didn't think she was quite as smart. And they were calling her all those 80s names that, you know, nerd, dweeb, loser, things like that. I said, knock it off. Don't treat somebody like that in, in my classroom. But I went home thinking, wow, if, if, uh, if a youngster can't find love in this Christian classroom, we're in this tough world, are they going to find it? So I went home and searched the Bible for what I could share to change the kids' hearts. And I came across Matthew 25, verses 31 and following that said, you know, at the end of time, Jesus and his angels are going to return. He's going right. to gather. He's going to gather the nations before him like a shepherd gathers the sheep. And he's going to he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And to the sheep, he's going to say, come take your inheritance prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick and in prison, you visited me. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. They're going to say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and thirsty and, and feed you and, and give you drink or clothe you? And he's going to say, whenever you did it to the least of these, my brethren. So I went back to school and I shared this with the kids and theologians say I stretched it. But I told the kids the way you're treating another human being is the way that you're treating Jesus himself. I mean, think about it. What's the worst thing anybody could do to a parent is to mistreat their children. Yeah. And I, I told the kids, if you feed a hungry person, it's like feeding Jesus himself. If you give a drink to a thirsty person, it's like giving a drink to God himself. And then this is where theologians think I stretched it. But I said, I, I believe if you say a hurting word to an already hurting person, you're saying a hurting word to God himself. And, uh, you know, I really let the kids have it. I went home and told my wife, uh, that sermon was so good, I should have taken notes on myself. I stole that from <laughs> But I really thought I had changed their lives. They all heard it once. I heard it six times. I, I heard myself share it six times. That was on Friday. And on Sunday, I'm downtown working at a downtown parking ramp. I'm the guy taking tickets and money. So I taught school all week, then worked at the parking lot on the weekend, high-rise parking lot, uh, because I have a lot of kids to feed. And... Uh, I'm sitting there in my booth, taking tickets and money, watching NFL football on a mini screen, getting ready to eat a sandwich. And I hear this knock on my window and I look up and here's this bearded man missing his teeth, long, dirty coat, carrying a bag of soda pop cans. And I could tell he was experiencing homelessness. And uh, he said, sir, can I have your sandwich? And of course, after preaching that message six times on Friday, I said, I'm sorry, sir, but I need my sandwich. And his face drooped with disappointment, and he disappeared in the darkness. And as he disappeared, I realized, wow. And 
you preach something six times on Friday and you miss chance. So I hoped and prayed for another chance. I found him on the street, fed him dinner finally. But I never told anybody anybody of this story because I was embarrassed. But my missions pastor approached me a few weeks later and said, Andy, there's a job opening down at the local mission and I think you should go apply. And I reluctantly went to the mission and uh, walked in. The place was clean. The guys were sober. The food was good. And I saw it as a chance to begin to practice what I had preached. So that was 36 years ago. And my failure to do what I practice or preach has uh, led me to find, I guess, find my purpose in life, find my calling. And I've, I've been trying to practice what I preached ever since. I've had millions of meals since then and uh, uh, just found my spot in life uh, for the last 36 years. Well, and that is that is an awesome story. And for those that are listening, this is Your Life Matters Today. And I'm Dr. Cliff Robertson, Jr. And I have um, the CEO, Executive Director of the Union Rescue Mission of Los Angeles, California on with me. And we're talking about homelessness and the mission to, uh, you know, put a dent, try to end homelessness. And, you know, you know, he's been sharing his story and, uh, you know, it's really, really inspiring to, you know, to hear the story, uh, Andy. And, and I just, and I just appreciate you, you know, you sharing it. You know, one of the questions that I have though, is what, what do you believe is the biggest cause, cause of homelessness? I mean, you've been at this a while and, uh, I, I bet you have some good insight. Yeah. And I don't know whether you'd say cause. I did a study for Iowa State where I went out and interviewed 300 people on the streets. And I, I don't think we actually came up with the help of a couple PhD doctors, wonderful guys. I don't think we actually framed the cause, but, but the one common denominator was exactly what I described in my dad's family. Uh, 300 people, 90. Three percent of them had no contact whatsoever with family. That was the biggest common denominator. Either their family disintegrated like my dad's did when they were young, or they had burned every bridge with their family, or their family had burned every bridge with them. And I think the breakdown of families leads to all the other issues that we experienced. We sat in on seven testimonies, set stories of our graduate moms at Hope Gardens this last Saturday. And one of them said, I never, ever experienced the love of a mom or a dad. One young lady said, I went from dumpster to dumpster eating from the garbage. One young lady said, my my mom spanked me for not putting a diaper on my little sister correctly when I was three. Uh, my mom was always uh, taking out her anger on me. And finally, I was taken out of the, the home. One young lady said, I was 13 using heroin on the streets after I ran away from foster care. Uh, those stories just continued in each of the cases and that's what that's what we hear on the ground here i think something like 50 percent of homeless people on the streets are uh, former foster 
uh, foster youth and uh, it's family breakdown is the biggest cause, which makes me very concerned about the future of America. The more families are breaking down and, and people are becoming disconnected. And so I think the, the best resource to bring them back is recreating family and community uh, for them. And that's, that's what we hear. The graduate moms, they're cheering for each other. They're saying, wow, the, the mandatory classes were great, you know, and they emphasize mandatory. And the case managers were great, but the other moms going through the same thing with me, we've become sisters. The guys in our recovery program, they say the same thing. The, the chaplains were great. The classes were wonderful. But it's the connection I have with my brothers uh, that, that got me through and are going to keep me going. I've reestablished uh, community. So I think breakdown of a connection is the biggest cause and a reconnection with community is the best resource to, to reverse homelessness. And people don't just, you know, quit an addiction. They, they get reconnected with a community is the real solution for, for helping people overcome an, an addiction. But besides that, and you know, Cliff, uh, drug addiction is just running rampant. I don't know which comes first, whether the the homelessness hits and then people try to escape the hell on earth that they're living in. So they try drugs or if the drug addiction comes first and, and puts them on the streets because nobody will put up with them anymore, stealing and, and all that goes on. But I can tell you addiction plays a huge role if you're going to address homelessness, mental health as well, whether the mental health leads to the homelessness and somebody can't be cared for anymore in the family and they let them fall on the streets and there's nowhere to turn for help or if leaving somebody on the streets to suffer I can tell you I've spent nights on the street and I don't make it more than 24 hours I I couldn't make it 48 hours because I stay up on guard and I can tell you in LA if you stay up until you fall asleep and then you go to sleep you're going to get mugged if you're a woman, it's going to be worse than that. And you are never going to be quite the same if you if you spend a night on the streets in Los Angeles. Uh, and I, I know Jamie Foxx spent weeks when he when he uh, filmed The Soloist and he still suffers from from the time he spent on the streets just filming someone who was homeless. So it's uh it's it's not good for a human being to live on the streets. It's not. No, and, it's not. And nobody leaves people on the streets like L.A. Well, it, I mean, there's you know, it, it is it is an incredibly tough situation, to, you know, to be there. And, you know, and, and, and you know, you mentioned a couple of different things from um, family breakdown to drugs to mental health. And and really my my take on it from, you know, from hearing you and, and from working in the. Uh, veteran shelter that, you know, you know, that I was blessed, blessed to be able to create the it's, it's probably a combination of all of that. Yeah. Um, because oftentimes in mental health world where, you know, when somebody's feeling depressed, they want to take something to self-medicate because they don't want to go or they don't have the capacity to go see someone uh, 
or they don't believe that there's a capacity to do it. So they take something and that becomes an addiction and that addiction takes over. And, you know, and you're right, just, you know, you, you know, you can't just say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this addiction, your body, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the blood chemistry level in your body changes and it craves to, you know, get back to that status quo. And that's part of the, that's one of the biggest challenges with, with addiction. Yeah. Uh, and so you're, so you're, you're, you're just caught in this vicious cycle and it, and it, and it certainly can bring you to bring you to a place of not being able to stay in a house and maintain anything and lose everything. And that's, and that's, and that's part of it. You know, there, you know, there, there are so many different things and, and I'm, and I'm glad you said that, you know, about that, but that study that study that you were a part of that, you know, it was difficult to really nail down one thing because I've seen that as well. And, but that family breakdown, not having that, that interconnection and, and in the military world, you know, we call some of those connections, battle buddies, you know, this person has got my back and I'm going to, you know, and I will go through whatever I have to, to make sure they're okay. And, and they'll do the same for me. And, and I, and I, and I love how your organization is really working to, to partner these people. And sometimes it may just be an organic thing where they just come together in that shared experience. And yeah. sometimes it's, it's more than that, but we've got to go to a break. I want you to know that, uh, uh, for those of you listening, this is your life matters today. And I'm your host, Dr. Cliff Robertson, Jr. And we've got, uh, Andy Bales of the Union Rescue Mission from Los Angeles, California, on with us today. And after the break, we're going to continue to, to really dive into the, the faith part of this mission. And we're also going to talk about they've got a really big uh, kind, of, kind of walkathon coming up this weekend at the Rose Bowl there, there in Pasadena. And I would just love for you to stay tuned. This is Your Life Matters Today, and we'll be right back. Thank you for listening. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're struggling to understand your self-worth or deal with mental health challenges, you will want to tune into Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. Dr. Cliff and his guests will help you understand and work toward what you need to build your best life. Your Life Matters Today. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You're tuned into Your Life Matters Today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. If you have a question for Dr. Robertson or his guests, you can join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Dr. Cliff Robertson. And welcome back to Your Life Matters Today. Again, this is uh, Dr. Cliff Robertson, Jr., and I am so happy that you that you've tuned in. I I hope we've got a, a good following today on the on the West Coast out of Los Angeles, and we have somebody that that uh, a lot of you may know, you've heard of, um, maybe you've seen a billboard with a cell phone number on it, because this man is committed to the homeless population, really bringing healing to their world, and that's uh, Reverend Andy Bales. Uh, Andy, welcome back. Um, um, Go ahead. Thank you. Great to be on your show. Well, it's 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 good to have you. And, I, and again, I know you have a thousand things you're doing. In fact, you took time to do this today is, you know, is awesome. I'm so appreciative. You know, before we went to the break, we said we were going to talk about the, you know, you know, the faith behind this, you know, or, you know, you know, the why, you know, and, and I know you mentioned in the first segment, uh, you know, about the chap about the passage in Matthew 25. And I've got to tell you, that's that's the passage that, you know, that leads me, especially when, especially when sometimes you just want to give up because there's just so much, it can be overwhelming, but, but let's, but, but let's talk about faith for a minute because it's, 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 it's our why. Isn't it? Yes. Faith is the reason we do what we do. And, uh, you know, there are other strategies going on to address homelessness, but in fact, we know we are supposed to intervene in the lives of someone who, who is heading toward death. They are caught up in an addiction death spiral. And Proverbs 24, 10 and 11 says that if you see somebody stumbling toward their death and you don't intervene, there is a God in heaven watching who will hold you accountable for what fellow man or woman stumbled to their death. So we take that as we are our brother's and sister's keeper. The answer to Cain is, you know, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are your brother's <laughs> keeper. So our faith is paramount in everything that we do. And we do believe that as we offer food to a hungry person, uh, drink to a thirsty person, clothes to a, a naked person. Uh, we are indeed caring for Christ. And Christ is the one who died on the cross for us and all of our sins. And uh, he is the reason we do what we do. He changed everything. And he can. I mean, I sometimes remind myself, no wonder the world doesn't believe that People can change, right? We believe someone at their absolute worst spot in life can be redeemed, turned around, be a walking miracle. In fact, 25% of our staff, Dr. Cliff, are former guests who came in struggling with an addiction and turned their lives around and now work with us to turn other lives around. And what an incredible testimony right there. I mean... I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, to me, you know, that is, that is one of the biggest wins that, you know, you can have is the fact that those that, 
you poured into now want to turn turn around and pour it back out yeah so faith is everything our scriptures all over the walls in our mission um we we can't do this work without christ i don't think i don't think just for the sake of our own staff it isn't fair to ask them to do this kind of difficult work if they don't have Jesus Christ in their lives to hold them up. We, we lost a dear friend on Friday, Kim Joy. Uh, she's one of our stories from Skid Row. If anybody wanted to watch that on YouTube, um, we lost a dear friend, Sue, from lung and brain cancer on Saturday. We lost wow. a volunteer on Sunday. I can tell you, I wouldn't have made it through the weekend uh, if I didn't have Christ to turn to. I had to just lay all that grief at his feet and let him handle it because it was too much for me. And, and oftentimes this work is too much for my heart. And, uh, you know, hearing those stories of young ladies, it ends up, we did a radio show with one of our graduates. She actually ran away from a group home at nine and moved. We, we wonder about all those RVs and trailers out in the valley mm-hmm. that are parked. She said she followed a friend as they bounced from trailer to trailer, using drugs, being used by men all through the San Fernando Valley. I'm talking about a nine and a 10 year old. That's way too much for my heart unless I can turn all of that to Christ and lay it at his feet. Well, and, and, you know, I hear that story and, you know, you know, my heart just simply breaks um you know we've we've been under you know under un, un, under bridges with homeless and all that but just to to think about a nine or a ten year old having to do that to survive because you know of the of the challenges that they were facing it's 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 beyond what most people can even begin to comprehend yeah wow wow so um Kind of, kind of talk me through. I mean, we, we, you know, we've talked about the, um, you know, how the mission began, where it began. Um, how does how does Union Rescue Mission sustain and grow each year? I mean, you're, I mean, you're doing some incredible work, and you're continuing to expand. And you, and and you talk about that, it's 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 all private private funding, individuals, and uh, no, nothing from the government, which is, which is a big deal. Yeah. We, uh, we write grants, of course, to Christian foundations, other foundations, corporations. Uh, our biggest income is from private donors. So we do a mail program. Uh, you get letters in the mail. People know me by the mail that they get, the plea letters and the newsletters. Uh, but we're also on the website, urm.org, and uh, we promote that. We're on a local radio show, Amazing Stories from skid row we put out a video every month both uh, a story from skid row on youtube and an end of month video uh from from me each month to say what happened this this month we try to be on every channel possible i've been on social media since 2008 some youngsters came to me and said andy you need to be doing this thing called facebook and twitter and i'm on linkedin and and you know, uh, Instagram, uh, we just hit on every channel we can. We're in the news quite a bit. 
and purposefully, you know, rather than paying for ads everywhere, we we do what God calls us to do, and we make we make it into the news, right? I mean, uh, the other day we had the Summit of Americas in Los Angeles, and this is what's interesting: if the Pope visits, or the Oscars are held at Union Station, or the Super Bowl happens, or the Summit of America happens, guess what? The the city and the county clean up the streets of homeless people. Well, I said, let's leave that Hollywood imagery up to Hollywood, right? Let's let's show the real Los Angeles, not uh, not present something that isn't true and real to the world. Why don't we get motivated by the five and a half people who die per day in LA County from complications of homelessness? Why don't we get motivated by the 47% increase in murders of homeless people and do the cleanup every day, find people housing every day, rather than put on a show when something big, some big event comes to Los Angeles. So if you speak the truth, you're going to get opportunities to to be in the media. Uh, And that's, that's one way that we've done it through the years. And our, our giving has been really good, especially, you may know, during the pandemic, I mean, we got pounded. They almost shut us down until we said, hey, we're essential. We're like a hospital. Mm-hmm. We're essential. And we're welcoming everybody who comes to us, whether they're sick or not. Well, our giving went sky high, and it has mostly remained at the level that it was. And uh, uh, somehow, some way, God provides. I, I was in a meeting the other day, and... Uh, we learned that we need to do about $6 million of work on our downtown building to seal it, right? Keep the water out. And our CFO, of course, was discouraged. I'm driving home. <laughs> and uh, all of a They're sudden- They're good at that. They're good yeah. at being discouraging, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all, all the way home, I'm, I'm thinking, what are we going to do? I get a call and a friend calls me and he's a lawyer. And he says, I have a builder in trouble. He needs to do some community service. <laughs> well, he could do some kitchen work or work along our maintenance team. He says, no, he needs to build a building or renovate a building for you. Would that be okay? And I said, <laughs> I, I have this $6 million project I need to do. I mean, that's the way, I, I guess I can't help but believe in God when God shows up like that, right? I mean, who, who else could be responsible for that timing? That is not a coincidence. That is a God-ordained intervention. And, you know, your story reminds me a lot of the, you know, the stories of, uh, you know, of George Mueller out of, you know, out, you know, out of England that started all those orphanages. And, you know, I mean, I mean, what, what an amazing, amazing combination. I, you know, I, I remember, you know, you know, you know, reading, in fact, I, you know, I wrote about him a little bit in the, in a, in a, in a book I recently published called Your Life Matters. And, and he talked about how, you know, they would be at the dinner table and didn't have food to feed the kids that were in the orphanage and they would pray and there would be a knock on the door and it yeah. would be somebody who, who God had moved their heart to come and come and provide that. And, and, you know, I think about that and I, and I think about how, how, 
while it was truly Im- impactful to the you know George Mueller and, and you know and and whatever staff they had, but think about the kids who were witnessing this prayer and the knock on the door. I yeah. mean, talk about life changing. And, and, and I'm sure that you don't keep these things a secret from the people that are there either. I'm sure that I'm sure they know about it as well, right? Yeah, they get to experience the miracles. We all get to experience them together and it's it's just a, a life-changing environment it you can't help it uh when you experience miracle after miracle and that's that's really the greatest proof of the gospel is just miracles that have come through the age uh, in people's individual lives in your life cliff knowing where you've come and come through uh you're a walking miracle i that's what I like the best about my job. I get to work alongside walking miracles uh, who once were addicted to cocaine out on the streets and now are a brand new creature uh, living a good life and, and a hopeful life. Well, you know, one of my, what, you know, one of my favorite passages to talk about in this, in this context is you know, one that's very popular, uh, but it's it's the it's Isaiah sixty one verse three that talks about beauty for ashes, and a yeah. lot of people paint that as a really pretty picture, and you know you know a lot of times there's very very strong fem- feminine overtones to it, and, and that's fine, but when I really break that down and, and I think about it, what the passage is saying is when when all you have left in your life are the ashes of everything i mean i mean you've got a handful of ashes and that's all that's left in other words it must have been one heck of a fire first god is saying i will take you at your very worst when there is literally nothing left and bring something beautiful from it i mean that is a miracle and and only he can do that i mean we can try you know we can put our best foot forward we can try but i mean you know the statistics with it with with, you know know, with addictions i mean it's, it's brutal it's just as bad, oftentimes worse than the recidivism for somebody going back to prison. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it, it's real. And it's beyond just somebody's physical discipline to say, no, it's, it's, it, there's more than that. I mean, you know, the, you know, the Greek word for sorcery is pharmakeia. In other words, yeah. drugs. Um, so it's, it, it, it's beyond just oftentimes beyond just somebody's physical capacity to be disciplined, to walk away from it. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I want to tell you what we're experiencing in L.A. is the cartels dumping as much cheap meth as they can. Then they hired a genius, they called him the, the brain, to develop a synthetic heroin called fentanyl. And it wasn't that the meth was, uh, wasn't strong enough, but they... They decided to develop fentanyl and mix it with the meth so that people would be more physically addicted. And that's what we're facing now. Think about the cruelty and the evil of let's make meth more dangerous by making it more addictive and then sell it. And right outside my window there, a 23-year-old woman thought she was buying cocaine. She's a mom of a one-year-old. She died of an overdose of fentanyl right outside my window. And they set up a memorial to her uh, on the sidewalk. That's the evil that is going on unchecked, right? Almost enabled by our current 
harm reduction policy that our government is carrying out and HUD is carrying out and uh, in, in, in developing safe injection sites. And, and here, the more you use, the more addicted you become. The, the addiction part of your brain gets stronger and the part of your brain that's able to say no gets weaker right. the more you use drugs. Well, we're helping people go on this death spiral because we're strengthening the, the addiction and lowering their ability to say no, even as we cooperate and enable them to continue using it. Our world is not making much sense. And, uh, we need a new approach, a return to recovery, if we have any chance of helping uh, people who are devastated by homelessness and addiction. I mean, I don't even begin to understand how people can say that that you know that that is okay. That you know that there's anything um, positive or redeeming or or or, or potentially um, n- not harmful. Um, you know, there's the there's the statement in the world will. Well, they're not hurting anybody. Well, that's, that's not true. That's, that's really not true. That that is that is surely a lie straight straight from the pits of hell. So, you know, when we when we think about this, when we when we think about um, you know the work you're doing there at the uh, Union Rescue Mission, and again, this is this is your life matters today. I'm Dr. Cliff Robertson Jr., and I've got uh, Reverend Andy Bales, the CEO, Executive Director of the Union Rescue Mission, the largest. Uh, the oldest and the largest um, homeless shelter and and transitional living facility in Los Angeles County, <clears throat> but um, uh, and we're and, and we're talking about recovery. We're talking about homelessness. We're talking about all those topics that are really tough. But you know, it's not easy to keep this going. And and I know that you know operations like this are you know there's threats. There's things that want to stop the work you're doing. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yes, certainly the. Uh... Certainly the push to move away from faith from every angle is putting us in jeopardy. The, the miracles I talked about, those would vanish if we lose our ability to share our faith or stick with our faith. That's what people don't realize. Not only, not only all the support from loyal, faithful people would disappear, but the miracles that happen because of that faith would disappear if we succumb to the temptation and and i'm watching missions around me uh give up their faith for federal dollars they they think they're going to they're going to do better work by accepting money which takes away their ability to share their faith the the exact opposite is going to happen uh and those threats come to us we have we have literally turned down billions in order to keep our faith strong. And I would not give up our faith in Jesus Christ to transform lives for any amount of, of money. We have the threat of the cartels and the gangs right here on Skid Row. We receive a lot of, um, a lot of threats. Like uh, a guy came running out of a permanent supportive housing harm reduction building down the street while I was walking with, with, uh, Fox News reporter, uh, Hal Eisner, and uh, the guy said, you want to help? Who are you guys? And we told him, he said, you want to help somebody stop the gangs from moving into our apartments and kicking us out to the streets and taking over our 
our apartments. So I just posted that. I, I posted that tweet, what the guy said to me. Um, the, the gang member across the street came and told our dock worker, you better tell your boss to shut up about us, right? Oh, wow. I, I called the commander of the police and said, why don't you come over and watch the gang activity from my office across the street? He came, and not only did they bust the gang, they busted the gang supplier uh, of, of who was providing those drugs. But those threats are always present. And the threat of the county and, and others wanting to shut you down when things like the pandemic come around. Of course they do. Right? Um, Andy, I need, I need to... Uh, pause this for just a quick second. I, I really, we're, we're just about out of time today, which, which breaks my heart. I'm loving this conversation, but what I really want to spend the, you know, the next minute or so on is talking about the event you have coming up this right. weekend at the Rose Bowl. So we're going to be walking around the Rose Bowl, uh, urmwalk.org. And, uh, I'll be out there with walking sticks and my two new prosthetics and trying to make it around. So I've asked people to come, uh, join me participate, uh, sponsor me, uh, maybe go out with a golf cart afterwards and find me on the trail somewhere and bring me back. But uh, <laughs> urmwalk.org and get signed up and uh, you can do it virtually wherever you are in the country and uh, just make a video of yourself and send it to us uh, participating in the walk. And uh, we'd love to have you join us. We're going to start the runners, I think, at 9:20, and the uh, walkers are going to start at about 9:30, and we're going to do a 5k 3.1 miles or so around uh, around the rose bowl uh, this well, weekend that's, that's exciting and again that's urmwalk.org and if you want to donate to to this organization you can go to urm.org as well mm -hmm. just you know they're doing fabulous work they're changing lives by by the power and grace of god and and again we have uh, Reverend Andy Bales on here. We're, we are officially out of time today. But what I want you to hear is this, is that you can make a difference here. If you want to find out more about them, go to their website, urm.org, or you can be involved in the, in the walk wherever you are in the country, wherever you are in the world virtually, by going to urmwalk.org. I would love to have, have, have you be a part of it. And in fact, the book that I've got for sale called Your Life Matters any of the proceeds that come from today's show are, are going to be donated as well to this organization because I believe in what they're doing and I'd love for you to find out more information about it. Andy, thank you for being here today. I would, I would love to continue to talk, but I know you've got a thousand things to do and we are out of time. Thank you for listening today, y'all. And just remember one more time, your life matters more than you could ever begin to imagine. Thanks for tuning in to Your Life Matters today with Dr. Cliff Robertson. Have any questions for Dr. Robertson? Join us on next week's show and share your story or thoughts. We hope we've helped you overcome some of your deepest inner struggles. Have a beautiful week.